Well, good morning, Gateway. It's good to be with you uh, this morning, especially on this morning as we begin our Christmas season and to see some of you celebrating with your nice and Christmassy sweaters, uh, some of them with that National Lampoon motif. Um, I really appreciate uh, the happiness going on here, and I hope you'll excuse me if if sometimes I have to block out some of that happiness so that I can focus on the seriousness of the message. I, I went and tried to get the ugliest sweater I could find, too. I, I, I don't try to keep ugly things in my closet, so I went to Goodwill, and I asked for their ugliest sweater, and they charged me $3 for this, and I don't know if I overpaid or not, but uh, this, they said, was the ugliest that, that they had, and I did want to participate there. Uh, with you, uh, <clears throat> but regardless, I, I'm very thankful that David's allowing me to introduce the Christmas series here at the church, which we're calling Go Tell It on the Mountain, uh, and we'll not be focusing on the Christmas shepherds who uh, went away telling the story joyously that Jesus Christ was born, but instead, we're going to be focusing on the Christmas angels who were sent to go tell it on those Judean mountains and those Galilean hillsides that God's Son, Jesus Christ, was about to be born. And the first Christmas angel that we're looking at this morning is the one that appeared to that old priest Zechariah on the Judean hillside in the Jerusalem temple. Those of you that have a Bible, whether it's on an app or tablet or in a paper book, uh, if you'll turn to Luke chapter 1, I'm not sure that this will be on the screens, but I'm sure you'll be able to follow the story in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5, it says, In those days, Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you will call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he'll be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he'll go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall 
I know this. I'm old. My wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision. Lord, help us see this morning the lessons you would have us learn from this old priest of yours from long ago who was the beneficiary of good news of great joy that would soon be to all people, even to us today. May someone find it good news for them today. It's a prayer in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, how many of you uh, got in on some of the Black Friday doorbusters? Anybody here wake up early for the doorbusting sale? I, I used to do that. Um, I haven't done that in many years, but uh, I, can re I can remember standing in those lines at 4 a.m. and waiting for the door. How many got in on the Cyber Monday deal? You just let your fingers do the, do the walking. and Okay, a few more of us on the... Cyber Monday deal. Now, we're told there's some great deals out there this year. Of course, we're told that every year, aren't we? <laughs> but we're also told, buyer beware. Buyer beware. Because the sage-old advice says, if anything sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Now, I wondered if that was something I was about to learn personally a couple of weeks ago as I went Christmas shopping online uh, for my wife. And my, my wife is not here this morning, so if it's okay, we'll just let this be a little secret between you and me. Um, we'll keep it right here in this room. She doesn't have to find out. But I went shopping for, uh, for my wife for Christmas. Um, Lynn and I, Lynn, this is not going out on the World Wide Web. I, this is going to be muted, I'm sure, back there. But Lynn and I are going to fly to Florida for Christmas. We're going to spend Christmas with our grandkids in Florida. And my wife, she's not big on long drives, so I thought I'd surprise her with uh, airplane tickets uh, to, to Florida. And um, <clears throat> I began shopping a couple weeks ago for the best price. And man, did I find a deal. This, I mean, this was incredible. It, it did almost sound too good to actually be true. But I, I did my best. I tried to check it out. Everything seemed to check out. And so I did click the button that said buy a deal. And immediately a window popped up on my browser and asked if I'd like to purchase the tickets directly uh, from the carrier or would I like Google to purchase the tickets for me since I was already on the Google uh, website. I never saw anything pop up on my computer like that before. I, I didn't know if this was a scam, if this was... If this was uh, something that was okay. So just to be safe, I clicked the button that said I'd like to purchase directly from the carrier. Uh, I've, I've never purchased anything from Google. Anybody ever 
purchased anything from Google before. I've never, never purchased anything from Google. It's just a free web browser, you know, that I, I've used. And uh, so I didn't, I didn't want to take the chance, and I, I clicked, I, I, want to, I want to purchase from the carrier. And uh, my browser began to spin and spin and spin, and it was never able to access the carrier's uh, website. And that was a real bummer to me because this really was a really good deal. So I went back to Google and uh, I tried to go through the same routine, same destination, same date, same CRW airport, um, same direct flights, same two adult persons ticket. And I went through the whole process. And this time I said, uh, instead of uh, clicking from the carrier's website, I, I, just, I just buy it through Google. First question Google asks, what's your credit card number? Oh, boy. I had never, ever given Google my credit card number before. But this was such a really good deal. I didn't want to miss out on the deal. And so uh, <clears throat> I gave Google my credit card number. And... Uh, <clears throat> You'll have to ask me about it in three or four weeks, and I'll let you know if I got took, if Lynn and I actually get on an airplane and make it down to Florida, or if we have to call one of you to come down to Orlando and pick us up. Uh, because I know, I know as well as you, I know, I've been told many times before, when anything sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Unless God's in it. Because most everything God does sounds too good to be true. Isn't that right? Almost everything God does sounds too good to be true. That's what Zechariah momentarily forgot. And I say momentarily because Scripture introduces Zechariah as a godly, righteous uh, old man in the temple serving the Lord, priest of God. I mean, he, he knew God. He believed in God. But he momentarily forgot God. Now, from the very beginning of our knowledge of God, we find God just saying the word and the whole universe comes into existence. Think about that for a minute. This, this, this is boggles the mind. God just says the word and it all comes into existence. Sun, moon, stars, earth, sky, seas, plants, animals, the whole kit and caboodle comes into existence simply by God saying, let there be, and there was. I mean, that's, that's a big, tall tale to swallow. Think, think of this now. The only thing God created by starting with something was man and woman. It was only when God created man and woman that God started with something other than his command, his word for something to come into being. Genesis 2-7 says, The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground. He started with dust when he made us. And then Genesis 2-21 says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of man's ribs and he closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman. But everything else that God created, which was pretty much everything else, God created ex nihilo. Now, 
Ex means out or from, like an exit. And everything out of nothing? Now, out of nothing? Nevertheless, it's not as fanciful as it sounds in the alternative, which is everything came from nothing on its own, simply by chance. <laughs> now, there is a big, tall tale to tell, uh, but that's one that we typically don't believe in this room. Now, the old man Zechariah believed in an option one, not an option two kind of a world. It's a priest in the temple. He believed in a world where God created it all. That was his worldview. And God did it simply by saying the word. That's what God could do. He created the first man and the first woman just out of a speck of dust and a bit of bone. And I know that's not what's taught in school, but that's what most of us in this room believe is true, and that's what Zechariah believed too. Zechariah probably taught that lesson in many Sabbath schools. Zechariah believed God could do anything God wanted to do, and that included answering Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer too. So why, here's the question, why when Gabriel came down from heaven with the good news, did Zechariah have such a hard time believing what Gabriel said? Zechariah believed the angel Gabriel when the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you'll call his name John. I mean, that, that's pretty clear. Pretty specific, too. But when it's happening to you, sometimes the good news just sounds too good to be true. And after so many years and, and so many prayers, it seemed highly improbable to Zechariah that anything really for here, because we may have somebody here who has been praying just as desperately for just the same thing that Zechariah and Elizabeth have been praying for all their years, for a baby. But for some reason, for you, God's answer is different. God wants something different, and he does something different with your prayers than he did with theirs. But even then, and I hope you hear this, it could be something better, not just different. It could be better the way God answers your prayers. Let me explain it this way. Some of you uh, may be aware that one of our greatest theologians from our church tribe went home to be with the Lord after a long battle with cancer this past September. His name was Jack Cottrell. Uh, maybe, maybe you've heard of him. Dr. Jack uh, Cottrell was a professor of New Testament theology at Cincinnati Christian Seminary for 48 years. He earned advanced degrees from the Cincinnati Christian University, the University of Cincinnati, Westminster Theological Seminary, and his PhD was from Princeton Theological a seminary, and it allowed him to teach and train thousands of preachers, thousands that are preaching in thousands of churches all around the world right now. Uh, chances are any, any preacher that went to seminary has had to study writings that uh, Dr. Cottrell has 
written. Uh, Dr. Cotter has written uh, 43 books on Christian doctrine. And I'm talking about books. Uh, plus many more Christian articles and essays and many that have been turned into instruction manuals for colleges and seminaries and churches and Sunday schools. And many of his writings have been translated and are continuing to be translated into foreign languages to help equip, equip Christians around the world uh, in their service for Christ and Christ church. Dr. Crawter has always been in demand as a supply preacher and a seminar instructor, a speaker for Christian retreats and camps and Christian gatherings of all kinds. He's traveled internationally to one mission field after another, preaching the gospel, encouraging churches and church leaders around the world. But over the past two or three years, Dr. Cottrell battled cancer. Yet even then, amidst the struggle, he continued to write to answer questions, many of them through Facebook, to help others on their Christian journeys with their, their Christian faith. I, I know he personally helped me in the church I served up north to come together on a gender policy that would guide our congregation on a woman's role in a New Testament pattern church. It's a very divisive issue. And after all those 32 years of work in that church, I thought it was all going to blow up in smoke. We, so many new people came in, half of them were women. Funny how that worked. And they wanted to know what their roles were in the church. Some of them were coming from different denominational backgrounds with uh, different degrees of women participation in church work and different ideas were clashing with one another. And I thought, oh my goodness, it's all getting ready to blow up after three decades of work. And this man helped guide us on uh, coming together with a gender policy for a woman's role in a New Testament pattern church without splitting the church and without losing a single person in our church. I was amazed and so, so thankful. This man really has helped out a lot of people. I'm, I'm I'm one of them. We got through that little bump in the road with his help. But after all the possible treatments uh, for cancer were exhausted, Dr. Cottrell wrote one of the most insightful statements I've ever read outside the Bible. And this is when, actually this is only uh, four or five weeks before he went home to be with the Lord. Uh, Dr. Cottrell wrote this. He said, when we're facing death... And he was at that moment. It was, it was pretty sure in certain things. He said, when we're facing death in this fallen world, it's okay to pray for healing and extension of life. He called that plan A prayers. That's, that's plan A. That's what I want. I, I, want, I want to be healed. I'd like for my, my life to go on. It's okay to pray plan A prayers. But to remember that if God chooses not to answer those prayers, He has a plan A plus waiting on us. The reason He didn't answer our prayers the way we asked Him to answer our prayers is not because He said no, it's because He said, I got something better. I got something better than that. 
And he supported that, as he always did, by pointing to Scripture, such as Romans 8, 18, where the apostle says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is yet to be revealed in us. And thus we are waiting eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. Plan A+. Now, some of us may want to remember that when it seems like God isn't saying yes to our plan A prayers. It may mean that God has something better in mind for us, a plan A plus. Why would he give us a plan A answer when he wants to give us a plan A plus answer instead? Now, such was not the case for the old man of God praying at the temple that we're reading about this morning. Zechariah was still praying for plan A and for the life of his wife, Elizabeth, plan A. They wanted a baby. They still wanted a baby. But it seems he had given up on plan A ever happening. He didn't really believe it was going to happen. Even after God's angel had been dispatched to go tell him on the mountain that it was going to happen. You are going to have a son, and you're even going to name him John. Zachariah still couldn't believe him. And the reason it was going to happen was not because Zachariah had enough faith to believe it was going to happen. But it was going to happen because that's what God wanted to happen. That's what God had prophesied would happen. That's what God had promised hundreds of years before would occur. Through his prophet Malachi, I know this morning we read as a focus verse uh, the prophet Isaiah. But through his prophet Malachi, chapter 3, verse 1, God said, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then the very end of Malachi's prophecy says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. The old Bible used to say, strike the land with a curse. End of the Old Testament. How would you like to be an Old Testament believer? Either, either Elijah comes and, and turns this world around, prepares it for the Lord, or curse the whole place. That's the way the Old Testament ends. And then there was prophetic silence for 400 years when we have no record of God saying or doing anything. And I'm sure there were many couples who prayed for a child through those 400 years, and maybe some of their prayers were answered too. But the New Testament says, when the fullness of time had come and God was ready to send forth His Son... It was time for God's messenger to come as well before him and prepare the way before the Lord. Isaiah 
calls him a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And wouldn't you know it, at just that time, here was an old toothless priest in the temple and an old barren woman at home praying their hearts out for a child. Lord, give us a child, give us a child, give us a child. Just at the moment when God wanted to send a child. Is it any wonder God answered their prayers? God had been waiting for that couple to pray those prayers. God had planned for that elderly couple to pray those prayers hundreds of years prior. Now, Malachi was written 400 years before Christ, but the focus verse that we read in Isaiah was 600 years before Jesus was born. Does that make anyone beside me just shake your head and smile to think how far out God is planning? A little over 20 years ago now, Oxford University realized that the gigantic oak beams in the ceiling of one of their uh, 60-foot-high Hogwarts dining halls uh, was in desperate shape. Uh, those massive beams holding up all of that oak weight overhead, they were beginning to show signs of rot. And university officials became concerned that they were never going to be able to find lumber big enough and strong enough to replace those huge 500-year-old solid oak beams. But the university's forester explained that when that dining hall was built 500 years prior, the architects planted an oak grove as well. so that the university could replace those oak beams with new ones when their time had come. That just boggles my mind. How can anyone plan that far ahead? God did. And now it was time for God's plan to begin. It was time for God's Son to be born. But not before Christ's forerunner had come into this world to prepare the way for the Lord. And now all that was left was for one elderly couple somewhere to begin praying for a child. Makes me want to light up a cigar with George Papard of the A-Team and say, don't you just love it when a plan comes together? Some of you probably aren't old enough to remember the A-team. That's really what our best prayers are. Our best prayers are simply God's plans. That's our best prayer. When we, when we begin praying for God's plans to happen. When our agenda aligns with God's agenda... That's when things really start to happen. E. Stanley Jones, a great preacher of yesteryear, he put it this way. He said, if I throw out a boat hook from the boat in which I'm riding and I catch hold of the shore and I pull, do I pull the shore 
to me? Or do I pull myself to the shore? And then he went on to say that that's what our best prayers are. Prayer is not pulling God's will to me. It's aligning my will with God. That's the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Remember? He said, pray, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And it's the way Jesus prayed himself. Remember in the garden where Jesus said, Father, if it be possible, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's the way Jesus prayed. That's the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray because that's the best way to pray. Because when our agenda fits God's agenda, why wouldn't God say yes? I mean, if a child comes to mom and dad and says, Mom and dad, can I clean my, my room, please? What would you expect mom and dad to say? When our will aligns with God's will, why wouldn't God say yes? Yes! Oh, yes. Now, that's a lesson that Zechariah teaches. And he teaches when God says yes, it's best to believe him and get on board with him and his agenda. That's the last lesson we'll look at here this morning. But this is something Zechariah didn't do. We learned from his mistake this morning and the price he paid for it. For nine months, the man couldn't speak. For nine months, and ladies, this is no time for you to be saying amen or to be daydreaming about what it would be like to be married to a silent husband or to be punching your elbow into the side of your mansplaining man. You know what a mansplaining man is, ladies? And usually you have a mansplaining man. I had to explain to my wife what a mansplaining man was, and she said, I think I'm married to one. And then I had to explain to her how that could be. But there Zachariah is for nine months. Couldn't speak a word. Now, he'd been struck speechless, but he hadn't been struck dumb and speechless. He knew exactly why he'd been struck speechless. And he knew exactly what he was going to do as soon as this shift at the temple ended. He needed no explanation about what he needed to do next. When his shift was over, he was going to rush straight right home to his wife Elizabeth and get on board with God's agenda. And that's just what he did. And with two old toothless grins, Zacharias and Elizabeth, their prayers were answered. Nine months later, John was born. And the very first Christmas began. That's how it all began, Charlie Brown. That's what the gospel according to Luke says. With the first Christmas angel coming down, 
and appearing to the old priest Zachariah praying in the temple with his wife Elizabeth praying at home as well, I'm sure. And in the end, both of them putting their lives in the Lord's hands, knowing that there are no better hands to put your life in. Amen. Have you done that? Have you put your life in the Lord's hands? Have you aligned your life with His and His plans? Not just praying for what you want, but aligning your will with His. In your prayers and in your practice, praying, believing, and living for Jesus, jumping in with the rest of the Lord's Christmas believers and the Lord's Christmas angels on assignment to tell the whole world about Jesus. Jesus is God's plan. A triple plus. Always has been. For the whole world. For yours and for mine. Because we all need Jesus. We all need forgiveness. We all need someone who can close this gap that we created between ourselves and our Heavenly Father when we sinned. And we all need a Savior who can save us and separate us from our sins so that the gap can be closed and we can be back with the Father again. We need Jesus. That's the only way you can fully appreciate and experience God's a triple plus plan for Christmas by placing your faith and trust in Jesus. God's plan. God's son. God's man. The plan designed before the beginning of time. Who'd like to get in on that plan this morning? this Christmas. Let's stand and let's pray. Lord God, we thank you as we stand amazed, uh, unable to comprehend how far back you designed this plan before the foundation of the world. You knew that we would sin, that we would need a Savior. And you planned for your son Jesus to be him. We pray this Christmas someone here would find him as their Savior too. Maybe this morning as we sing, might they come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people say.